you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth hi everybody welcome welcome it is great to be with you all yet again this week so many amazing questions have come in and i cannot wait to answer them i have a week's worth of backlog So without delay, let's dive into your burning design questions. I'm just going to pull them up here. And of course, as we are speaking, feel free to write in with your questions. You can always send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. My first question today came from Adam. He asks, Betsy, which colors do you use the most? So the colors that we tend to use the most are blues, grays, and beiges. And it's generally because those colors are most popular with our clients. They're just really accessible colors that aren't too loud, aren't too bold. Most of our clients are pretty afraid of color. So the best place to start when you're afraid of color is with those soft blues because they can almost read as a neutral. They're really very unobtrusive. I personally prefer to go bold with my colors. So I love to still stick with those cool colors, greens, blues, purples, but really use very saturated hues. However, in my own home, because I had some stained glass that was already there that was green, yellow, orange, and red, I decided to stick with warm colors instead and really embrace what was already going on. And it has been amazing how my life has really transformed with all these warm colors in it. Now, my home is so cozy. Cool colors, the reason they're called cool is because they tend to make it feel a little bit cooler. They're more somber, more subdued. But those warm colors, those reds, oranges, and yellows, really enliven a space, just like sunlight or fire, those kind of connotations. And it's been a real transformation in my living room and dining room. So even though they're colors I never would have selected for myself, even though they're colors I don't use that often or I'm personally not drawn to, everyone who comes in my home says, Betsy, this is so warm, it's so cozy. And secrets out, it's because I used warmer colors in my palette. So think about that when you're creating your palette and don't worry about which colors are most popular because those tend to be safe and that won't necessarily get you a lot of wow factor from your guests. 
My next question came from Rosa this week, and Rosa asked me, Betsy, my bed is cherry wood. What kind of nightstands should I choose? So when you're looking for nightstands to go next to that cherry wood bed, Rosa, I can't necessarily tell you what to do because the options are almost limitless, but I can definitely tell you what not to do. You do not wanna go for cherry nightstands. The key here is that you want contrast. When I am in your bedroom and I squint, I want things to pop out. I don't want it to be a sea of cherry wood. I don't want it to look like you went to Raymore and Flanagan and said, give me the cherry wood bedroom set. We want things that look like they seamlessly work together, but they did not come together. I am completely anti-set, which many of you already know. The key with contrasting with that cherry wood headboard would be to do something that's not wood at all. However, most nightstands are wood because that's what gives you the ease of the drawers. There are very few metal nightstand options that have nice functional drawers or certainly very few options for glass with drawers. And most of my clients do want a nightstand with storage. So what I would recommend that you do is you get painted wood nightstand. Now you could really choose any color that complements your decor. You could go for painted blue, painted red, painted ivory, painted gray, anything that's not brown or cherry wood toned. For instance, kind of a reddish brown painted wood would not work because from afar that might read as cherry wood or more wood. So the key here, Rosa, is to go for that contrast, to look for something that's vastly different than the texture of the headboard. And the other key when looking for your nightstand, which I'm sure you know from being a fan of mine, is that the height of the nightstand should be within two inches of the height of the mattress. So measure from the floor to the top of your mattress and the nightstand needs to be two inches lower, two inches higher, or the exact same height as the mattress, somewhere in that range, but not much lower than two inches or much higher than two inches um, than the mattress. So I hope that helped. Happy shopping. Let us know what you choose. My next question came from Leo this week. Leo writes me, Betsy, will black tile work in a small bathroom? Yes. Yes, black tile could work in a small bathroom, but here's my issue with black tile. It's my same issue that I have with white tile, especially if you're considering it for your floors. Black and white, especially when you're considering it for floors, shows every piece of dirt every hair, every speck of lint, every piece of dust. It's really transparent on something that dark or conversely on something that light. So if you're thinking about white tile or black tile for your bathroom, keep it on the walls, something that's not collecting a lot of dust or hair, something that stays a little bit cleaner than the floor. I think black is totally fine. It is a strong choice. It isn't a choice that most people would prefer for resale value, so that's something that you wanna think about. Most people like something a little bit softer. Additionally, if you do have a lot of wall tiles, say you're doing a shower surround with black tile, it's gonna get pretty dark in that shower. And the walls, if it's black tile, are gonna make it feel pretty dark in that room. So make sure it's a bathroom with a lot of natural light or make sure that the aesthetic that you're going for is something dark and moody 
and make sure that you keep it off the floor. And then I'm perfectly fine with black bathroom tiles. But that's a lot of um, make sures. That's a lot of checklists to make sure it works for you. So I'm hesitant to use the black tile. And I must say, I have selected a lot of tile in my day. And I don't think I've ever selected a solid black tile. Just putting that out there, Leo, make sure you find an inspiration picture that really embodies what you're thinking of and the aesthetic you're hoping to achieve because I want to make sure it's achievable with this black tile and I'm not convinced. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and I can't wait to get back to a couple more questions. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right, my next question comes from Krista, and I absolutely love this question. It's so fun, and it's something I had never really thought about, but it definitely got my wheels a-turning. Krista asked me, to which country would you move for the design? You can also choose a city. So I gave it some thought, and the first city that popped to mind is Paris. Paris is gorgeous. Paris is so stunningly important with its architecture. Everywhere you look, there's something gorgeous to behold. And people really gave a lot of thought and attention to everything from the windows to the roofs to the beautiful street lamps to even the subway signage. So Paris is definitely right up there. But recently, I have been super drawn to more tropical locales, and I can't get enough of Key West. Uh, I can't remember when I went. Maybe it was two years ago, and I saw Hemingway's house. But also, just walking up and down the main drags, you see so many amazing houses in Key West that have these beautiful porches, that have these plantation shutters, whose windows open wide, and you get these amazing ocean breezes. I'm just kind of infatuated with Key West, and it makes me want to explore all the other keys because it's right up my alley. The other thing that really makes it up my alley is that all these amazingly adorable homes are painted in these really bold colors. People really went for it. Everything from pastel pink to teal to emerald green, which was Hemingway's space. And I just really resonated with these lively pops of color and these beautiful open homes that were just letting all this beachy air waft through. 
So I did love Key West. And the other place that I think I'm gonna really love that I'm going to next year for a wedding, and I think this is gonna be my new place just based on pictures, is Palm Springs in California. I think Palm Springs is gonna be my place because I love mid-century design and it's known for mid-century design and I love the heat. So I'm hoping that between those two things, I will find an amazing oasis that really uh, is right up my alley in Palm Springs. So thanks for asking, Krista. That was such a fun question to answer. My next question comes from Marianne. She writes, Betsy, how has your style evolved over time? Well, that is very interesting. And I will let you know, my style has definitely evolved over time. I've been designing for 12 years. And when I first started, I was working at Tom Felicia. I was an apprentice and I was working side by side with his other apprentice and we were talking and we stayed close throughout the years and we've checked in since then. And I was telling her that I felt secretly ashamed of my past projects the lack of sophistication, the overusage of branches. Like there are just things I go back and I'm a little bit embarrassed by. And she said, oh, Betsy, everybody is embarrassed by their past work. Everybody grimaces when they see those images. It doesn't necessarily reflect what's going on for them right now. And that made me feel so much better. Because yes, the more you design, the more your tastes evolve and I am so grateful that my tastes have evolved. I used to, and it wasn't that many years ago, really be into bold geometrics, patterns, um, bold colors. I still am into that personally, but I don't push it on my clients as much. My clients are really into sophisticated neutrals, and while that's not my bag, they've worn me down over time, and now I really see the beauty in those neutrals and those small nuances, whereas I used to want that really loud wow factor. Again, I used to use branches, and that was pretty bad. I used a lot of branches and a lot of tall vases. Um, I call it my Pier 1 phase. It was really intense, and I got a lot, a lot of floor vases with, um, what was it, manzanita branches? I can't even remember, but I'm over that now. I'm fully over branches. What else am I over? Also, I've evolved a lot more with my accessorizing. I used to be super minimal. I used to really not like accessories, and now I can really appreciate what they offer a space, what they offer a photograph in terms of taking pictures of interior design. I'm much more nuanced with my accessories, but I really appreciate them now. Whereas I used to just declutter and put them in a garage sale box previously. So let's see, I think I have time for one more question. And my question comes from Jennifer. Jennifer wrote, Betsy, should I put two chandeliers in the same room? Here's my thought on that. If you're gonna put two chandeliers in the same room, they need to be the same. In other words, exactly the same. Or they need to be very different. So one of them might be more like a pendant and one of them might be more like a true chandelier with arms. Either they're exactly the same or they're very different. And by very different, I also mean different in size. Because even if they're very different stylistically or in terms of their overall form or shape, I would want their size to be different so that they're not visually competing with each other. So one is small, one is large. One is medium, one is extra large. 
I think it could really work, especially if you're doing multifunction in the spaces. For instance, if it's an open living dining concept, I love the idea of having a really cool chandelier in the living room and having a very different chandelier above the dining table. So I hope that helped. And Jennifer, it was a question I've never really given a lot of thought to before. So thanks for sending it in. And keep sending in these questions. I love to answer them. You can always leave them on Affordable Interior Designs Facebook page, or you can email them to me at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. So it's been so great chatting with you. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Oh, and happy Father's Day. Yeah, I can't forget that one. Have a well-designed Father's Day. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.